listening to Partners in Change with Bree Dodd and Christian Dawson. Thank you for joining us on this week's Partners in Change. This week, we're talking to Hamilton Glass. You probably know Hamilton Glass if you're in the Richmond area because he is one of the premier artists that we have in this community. You may know him from his murals in and around Richmond. Actually, as I'm taping this, I'm flipping through the Murals of Richmond book that Michael Broth put out in 2018. And, um, you know, some incredible work is in here from Hamilton and a whole bunch of other really incredible artists who are working in this area to transform our city in really incredible ways. Um, hearing his stories are fantastic. Hearing his thoughts and ideas around the transformative nature of art are really impressive. You'll hear about some of the incredible projects that he's doing in and around town. Um, and it's just one of the most uh, thoughtful and engaging and really inspiring stories that we've had yet on the podcast. Uh, we, we're so thankful to get to present to you Hamilton Glass. Hey, Richmond. Hey there. Hi, Bree. Uh, looking forward to today. We have a great guest. Um, we have Hamilton Glass on us with us today, and he is, I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity. I, he is just um, out and about town, and um, I've had a lot of experience working in the Richmond community with, you know, entrepreneurs and creators and idealists, and Hamilton is on, has just been on the top of their list as recommendations on who to interview for the podcast, so I'm super excited for today. No kidding. Artist, designer, creator, and total change maker around town, so it fits what it is we're trying to do in taking a look at people that are transforming our city of Richmond uh, and doing really cool things to move it forward. So we're hoping, Hamilton, today that we get to learn a little bit about you and your projects, but also sort of what compels you to, to, to take on projects like that, you know? So welcome. Thank you for being here. I'm humbled at that, at that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I was mentioning that I actually uh, very briefly uh, met you just to say, hey, I'm a big fan. Uh, back at the end of 2018, um, you were helping a group that was doing a mural, of a, a group of volunteers that was doing a mural on the side of Perch. Uh, that was for the Giving Wall, which one of these next podcasts we're going to do, we're going to highlight the Giving Wall as well. Absolutely. Um, well, can we back up a little bit, Hamilton, just because, I mean, for my own uh, personal education. So how long have you been in Richmond? What drew you here? Why do you stay here? <laughs> <laughs> just an easy question, right? Right off the bat. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I've my, first of all, my mother is from Richmond, so I've never been a stranger to Richmond. Okay. Um, I was born and raised in Philadelphia, but... You know, my mother's side of the family was here, so I've always been back and forth. Um, and so, but I, I moved here in 2007 um, and been here since. Yeah, I've been here since. So you've been, so you moved directly from Philadelphia to here? Yeah, so I guess I should expand on that. Yeah. Let me, uh, so what happened was I, I, um, I graduated high school, came to Virginia, um, went to Hampton University, Graduated Hampton University and immediately went straight back up north. I was like, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I worked in Philadelphia, took me to New York. New York took me to New Jersey. Um, and I lived there uh, for probably about three or four years um, practicing architecture. And so I, um, around 2007, I was like, hey, uh, this will, with my now, who's now wife now, 
um, we're like, hey, like cost of living here is ridiculous. We want to own property. Let's move to Richmond. Um, because Richmond was familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought it'd be a good move. Um, and so we moved, bought, bought a house, um, and probably almost immediately regretted it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is culture shock going, you know, being in New York. And, sure. Absolutely. And then moving here, we were just like, uh, especially uh, in, you know, t- around 2007. Richmond is a totally different city. It really is. Than it was in 2007. Um, but yeah, we, we moved here. Uh, I continued to practice architecture for a while, and then I lost my position as an architect in around 2009, 2008, somewhere in between in, during the recession. Uh-huh. Um, and then I was like, hey, I should start doing something that I'm passionate about, which was art. Um, and not full time. I just was like, hey, while I'm looking for a job. <laughs> oh, wow. Let me start. And so um, did that, created more art work than I've ever created in my whole life during that period of time. Um, but I also kind of like gained the confidence to show it, I guess. Right. Um, and what was the medium at that point? What kind of art that are you building? Are you um, creating everything? I mean, from spray paint to acrylic to and everything, literally, I was, a, that was like kind of like the experimental. Well, people day. know you today uh, in a different Richmond at a different time as, as doing these great murals around the city. This wasn't murals at that point. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I just, yeah, I, not at all. But murals were something that were, I was really excited about because being from, like, if you've all ever been to Philadelphia, you can't walk down the street without seeing a mural. You can't walk a block without seeing a mural. And so murals were like my inspiration for art in general. Um, and and it really stood out, you know, being in Richmond at that time, that there were no murals at that time. And I know that probably some people are like, no murals. <laughs> right. But yeah, like Richmond is really um, young when it comes to like having a ton of public art, you know, murals. And so um, I was I was showing my work. Um, and then I remember one guy, one shop owner came to me and was like, Hey, I love your work. Would you mind, would you think about doing a mural for me on my business? And I was like, Oh, sure. Yeah, I can do it. And in my mind, I'm just like, I had never done a mural before. And I was ecstatic because murals are the like thing in my heart where I'm like, yeah, I've always, you know, as a child, I've always wanted to do a mural. Um, and never had the chance to. And so I did it and f- like just fell in love with the process of creating public art, like fell in love with it more than like the actual end product. Just the process of it was what I loved about it. And so they, you know, there's a there's a long story behind that. But like the one of the first murals that I did was very controversial here. Uh, it was like a politician holding a gun to his head oh. in the middle of the recession. And so that like i think that's that was one of the things that got me a little bit of attention um some good some bad um and i can remember like you know when that situation happened saying oh wait people are actually absorbing my work like i i didn't do that on purpose it was kind of just like a natural thing to me to to go um paint something that I enjoy painting, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's kind of like in this, again, at this experimental phase where I was just doing what I wanted to and to have an owner say, hey, you know, 
you did such a great job on this wall here. You can do whatever you want on the back. And I did it. And then people respond to it, responded to it. And, 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 it, and then again, you know, just loving the process of creating a mirror. I wasn't thinking that people would see it. That feels weird to say, but I didn't think that people would really absorb it. If you, I knew people would see it, but they wouldn't absorb it. And so when we had some people, um, kind of, kind of uh, say they're, you know, say they didn't like it or, you know, things like that. Um, that made me kind of realize, wait, people are actually looking at this and absorbing the work. And um, the way that they approached us, uh, approached us about it, in my opinion, wasn't correct. And so I then turned around and made that, that very mural about censorship. And so mm. that was like, it was like the perfect response, if that makes any sense. Definitely. And that, that moment right there was like, oh, wait, you have a little bit of power when you do this too. You know what I mean? And That's that, wonderful. That was the moment where I was like, oh, maybe I can do this for a living, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And do you find, as you're making public art, like, is there, do you stay like authentic and genuine to... Right, you're talking about just being pulled into the process of it all. Um, I guess at doing public art, adding like a filter because it is being. Well, I mean, yeah. so my work now, like I've evolved now. And so my work now really is set deep in the community. So there's there's very few projects in which um, I don't get community buy. Hmm. And most okay. of those projects are commissioned, private um, and are for corporate things that are speaking towards that corporate, you know, message. Um, but when it comes to um, my passion projects or projects that, you know, I invest a lot of time in, it's it's imperative that the community be involved in it. So I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, it requires a lot more work on my side. But, um, you know, public art is really for the end user. And like I said, I'm, I just love the process of murals, right? The, the end product is something that um, I guess some people think of it as a bonus, but um, I don't. I don't really think of it as a bonus. Like, I, I, people have come up to me and said, like, hey, how does it feel like driving around the city and having your murals up everywhere? And I'm always kind of like, all right, you know, when you created this, that, that image or that, you know, coloring sheet in kindergarten that you thought was amazing right yeah and then you pulled it out when you were five you know in fifth grade or something you're like what in the world is this right that's what i get to experience every day. <laughs> right? the, the, you, hopefully i'm evolving and growing and i'm getting better and i get to see my mistakes all around the city and i know that's harsh to call them mistakes but i'm the closest to them so I you're going to be your harshest critic yeah, yeah, certainly exactly. I'm still interested in that transition between uh, architect to muralist, right? And you're talking about a period of years where you have a couple of successful projects and you start to think, I can do this for a living. Um, so that sounds exciting. I, I assume it's probably also terrifying and it might be terrifying for your now wife that you said and the property that you got. <laughs> can can we go ahead and can we, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I mean... It wasn't an easy tr transition. The story makes it really easy. Um, you know, I think I was out of work for maybe a year and a half. Like it was, and then towards the end of that, I was um, 
we were expecting. It was like, okay, I got to go back to work. And I remember going, We I did go back into architecture in between then. So um, I did another two years in architecture before I became a full-time artist. Um, but I mean, architecture, if I had to do it again, architecture, I would go right back into architecture. A lot of people ask me, hey, would you go into art school? Architecture prepped me to the point where you know, when that first client, they come to me and say, hey, you want to do a mural? Um, you know, I said, yes, absolutely, no hesitation. I think architecture is that reason. It, it really, um, architecture is not an easy field and there's a lot of accountability in it. And um, there's a lot of skills that transfer over to art, which is why it was easy for me to stay in architecture, even in school, because I realized really early in school that I didn't want to be an architect, um, like really, or like probably freshman year, I didn't want to be an architect. Um, but it had this creative aspect to it that I could grab onto. And that's what I did. I, I kind of gra grabbed onto that. And um, the rest is kind of history. I just uh, struggled through it and, you know, made everything about you know, the conceptual form and things like that and uh, made it through architecture and uh, it serves me to this day. It's amazing. Yeah. So now in our story, basically, you have um, you have decided to build a career as a muralist in Richmond and Richmond, which had not previously been known as a as a mural town, is becoming one. And there's a there's a whole bunch. It's becoming a city that it's uh, known for its public art and you're one of its sort of burgeoning uh, voices. So, you know, how does that feel at the beginning of a new career? It's it's really cool. I always say I was in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, I think I'm in this position in Richmond now because of the time period in which um, I got here and I started doing public art. Um, there were very few people doing it. Um, and trying to do it, if you will. Yeah. Um, and but actually, every one of those, or most of those, who were, are I think in the same position I am right now. Like um, we had, I like to think that like 2011, 2012 was really the mural boom in Richmond, specifically 2012. Um, in April of 2012, both the Richmond Mural Project and the RVHG Art Festival kicked off in Richmond for the first time. And like, you know, in a span of a month or two months, we received over 30 murals. Wow. So, I mean, like it was boom. It was, it was a literal boom. Um, and like, and in that same span of time, my wife and I decided, Hey, maybe we don't want to leave. For sure. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I just think that I'm really fortunate to be there and um, I don't think you could kind of recreate like if I if I started today I don't know that I would be in the same position 10 years from now um, is I just was fortunate in the in the time period in which I came here and started doing this work and I, I also feel like I had a cheat sheet right um, being from Philadelphia oh. and knowing the power of public art um, was something that I had on my side uh, and I can remember, you know, in that 2010-2011 era, um, trying to do public work, public art, having a bunch of people kind of criticize, like, "Oh, you're gonna, 
you're going to bring the graffiti. There's going to be more graffiti around these things and oh, stuff gosh. like that. And I'm like, where I'm from, this is graffiti abatement, right? Like the right. Philadelphia Mural Arts Program actually started because there was too much graffiti and they used the graffiti artists to actually create murals, right? To beautify the city. Well, let's talk about that for a little bit because I know I want to get to some of your projects that are focused on on uh, really cool things that dramatically change the look and feel of the city uh, and inspire people. But but you know, there's some there's a lot of truth to that that you're talking about graffiti abatement, but you're talking about something this public art that is transformative to a culture of a city, right? And I want to know if you wanted to share any of those thoughts from bring from coming up in that environment in Philadelphia. Um, you know, you talk about your love of public art and what, what, um, what, you know, you thought was amazing about that growing up. Um, do you have certain goals in, in trying to sort of shift a city's consciousness when you start a project? Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, to, to answer that question, you have to kind of start with, the core values of public art for me in general. And that is um, to really tell the story and be the voice of the city, right? And not me personally, I mean, everyone who's involved in the project, which is why it's so important to have community engagement in your projects. Um, and so our walls should look like and um, project what the city wants and needs and feels right it should it should really just be the soul of the city and so um you know as an older as a as a as adult thinking about my childhood um, back in philadelphia i can remember seeing people on the walls who look like me right and doing things those those images projected those people doing things for the community and lifting up and inspiring images and so, um, yeah, I want to mimic that because I know that that works. I'm, I, I, I am a product of it. And so um, I just that's why it's it's so important to involve so many people. Um, also, just in general, the, the power of art in general is I think creativity is something we're all uh, gravitate towards. No mm -hmm. matter if we think we're creative or not. Right. We're, we gravitate toward creativity. We see something in art. We see something in art um, that that we're attracted to, right? We, you know, we, we, we just enjoy creativity. And so um, I also gain um, enjoyment out of seeing kids and even adults, people in general who don't do art every day, um, do something that they didn't think they could do, right? Or be yeah. part of this project that makes their neighborhood a little bit brighter. It's like... It's part of just the consciousness of being um, socially aware of your community and having worth in your community. That is so powerful and so interesting because you think of this idea of like a singular artist promoting their vision. Yeah. And yet I mentioned the first mural where I met you a couple of years ago and you were directing like dozens of volunteers that were actually doing the mural. And so when you talk about like getting a community buy-in around something that gives the community a voice, I mean, you are, you are an artist and a like, you know, project manager and a like, you know, community organizer around this sort of thing. It's so much more. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm there to make sure they don't 
made technical mistakes, right? But I mean, the, the, that's the giving wall that you just mentioned, I mean, their stories were on the wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the community stories were on the wall. Um, I, I can't direct that. I can only direct, hey, this is how it goes on the wall and this is how it stays on the wall. Um, right. Yeah. And so we have that community buy-in, but can you speak to the community of public artists and muralists? Is there is there competition or is it collaboration? What is what is that like in the city of Richmond? Yeah, I mean we're human, so I think there's definitely competition. Um, Richmond in general, I think it's all a very healthy competition. Like there's not a lot of public artists who don't know one another or converse with one another. Um, and I'm also really biased in saying that because I just created a project around that. Um, and so I like to think that I fostered a lot, a lot of that. Not all of it, but I fostered a lot of that. And I try to foster that. Like, I, it's, it, it just makes us better, if that makes any sense. If we're all in sync and we're doing things, not the same, but if we're doing things in alignment, I think we, um, we hold a value for our own work, right? And so... Yeah. Um, and we, we also determine what that value is. And so, um, having us connected is better than having us, you know, feuding or, or, or in competition with one another. But, you know, there's, there's also, there's always natural comp competition. There's always kind of like, man, that was cool. I wish I could do not just do something like that or get a gig like that. Um, there's, there's things, there's things around there that, but that all that's healthy. I think all of Absolutely. that's healthy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You need that you. to push, right. Mm -hmm. You need to, you need to be pushed all the time. Um, and I, I personally try to reach out to those individuals, which I think are pushing me. Um, Matt Lively, people are probably sick of me mentioning Matt Lively. Matt Lively. Um, he's a, I collaborate with him often because um, when I first noticed his work, he was really doing a lot of canvas work. And so, and was very, and had been doing it for, has been doing it for a long time. Um, and so to me, I was, I'm, I'm always still at, to this very day, like, hey, I want to be able to make a living off of more of my personal work, right? That's a hard thing to do, in my opinion. Um, probably because of the trajectory of my career, right? I started in public art, so people know you as something and they just reach out to you for that thing. Mm -hmm. But the reason I started hanging around him more is because he was doing that, right? He was yeah. doing that. And actually, when I did, he started hanging around me more because he wanted to get into the mural. Nice. So like that collaboration is very healthy um, and um, reaching out and learning more about, you know, who else is in the art community and what they're doing. It's, it's just necessary. You had mentioned starting this project around that. It seems that you have lots of projects. <laughs> Where do you get the bandwidth to start all these projects? We'll talk about a couple in a minute. If you talk to my wife, I don't really have the bandwidth to do it. I just do it. <laughs> and also, uh, I have ton, a ton of help. So, I mean, um, there are a ton of muralists that and you know budding artists that i that i work with in the city and they help me get those projects done and then they go off and become their own artists like does that make any sense nice. so, Absolutely. Um, so a lot of the muralists in richmond i've worked with they work with me um and uh and in general i mean my my um i think most people know me for collaboration here and most people know me for community engagement 
and and that in itself breeds a lot of partners. Right? Yeah. So um, it's not a hard thing to it's not a hard thing to reach out and ask someone for help, or it's not a hard thing in getting an idea from somebody who's doing something else and saying, "Hey, why don't you add that to this, and we can amplify what we're trying to get done." So amazing. And and one example of that. Um, is this all in together project that I was reading about, and that's with Matt Lively, yeah. I believe. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sounds fascinating. Yeah. So all in together is a project um, that I co-led with. While I'm co-leading with Matt Lively, um, so Matt Lively and I did a project around 2014, 2015 with Freeman High School, um, and and he really pulled me into that project. It was his project, and he pulled me into it. Um, benefit of reaching out to an artist, right? Nice. But he pulled me in, and what what he he did was he said, "Hey, what we're going to do is we've got this image of Richmond, and we've got 215, 216 art students. We're going to cut this, you know, this image up into 216 pieces, and the, and we're going to scale it up. Wow. And um, the the art students can, of course, use." The, their block, their grid as the base image and paint that. But we also want them to put their identity in it too. So you end up with this, with this like, um, this photo-like picture of you know the the bigger of the image, the original reference image. But you also have like little gems in there and stuff like that. One of the most noted ones was like the Death Star was in one of them. Um, but like stuff that they like. So. Um, that was an amazing project. It went in Regency Mall, um, and it was great. And so during the pandemic, everything shut down, right? Uh -huh. um, and so really early in March, when uh, everyone was just at a standstill, like, wait, my life literally just stopped. There's nothing to do. Um, we, I was noticing that Matt was putting out coloring sheets, and other artists were too, but Matt made me pay attention to it. And I was like, hmm, what if... And I always try to do it. I always try to do it. I was like, what if we can create a mural that talked about us being apart, but then coming back together and its concept. And we can do that by like, you know, creating a mural and gritting it out like that Freeman project. And then we can, we can put all of those, those uh, selective sheets on the website. People can download them can fill them out, scan it, send it back. And we can, you know, make murals out of them. Um, and so Matt heard heard it and was like, "Okay, you're crazy, but let's do it." <laughs> and so we did that. And um, I reached out to again, reaching out to partners. It's, it's definitely not all me. Reaching out to community foundation and saying, "Hey, I have this great project. Um, we've already created the website where you know people dig it, but there are kids." and adults who would like to participate and cannot get these things, right? And we also don't know much about COVID right now. So, you know, people are finicky about touching things and there are um, RPS centers that have, you know, pass out food and all that stuff. And so um, brainstorming with them and, and they helped me get out 5,000 of these coloring sheets all across the city mm -hmm. um, with their partners, like YMCA's, um, Boys and girls clubs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so we did that um, and we got them back. And then I reached out to another partner, the Virginia Museum of History and Culture, and said, hey, 
we have this all in together project. They love the idea, but I said, I want to find a way um, to, to show this massive amount of coloring sheets that we're getting back. Right. Because um, the, the end goal or the initial end goal was to try to, we get them back and then we create some of them. Um, and so we create some on panels. So they're mobile murals. So we can deliver them to schools. They can stay there. And then kids get to say, Hey, I had a part in that. And we did that while we were in quarantine. Um, but that would take some time, right? It takes time and money to make a mobile mural. But, um, the Richmond Museum of History and Culture sponsored us to do them on banners. And we did them, um, with all, you know, those 5,000 sheets coming back, it was easier and a little bit more cost effective to do more banners. So that's what you see in front of the Virginia Museum of History and Culture on their grand steps. There are, I believe, six or seven um, all in together sheets filled out by the whole city. Um, and it's been great. And um, this year, we're all in together as partner with the Richmond Public Library, and they have one just to celebrate a uh, public reading. So it's. That is. So darn cool. Very cool. Um, you had mentioned uh, projects that have started through the past year, the pandemic, which has been a time of a lot of uh, a lot of change. Um, and another project, very important project that you have had, I think, emerged during that time has been Mending Walls. A lot of people are talking about Mending Walls. And um, I think the transformative good that it's attempting to do throughout the city and we would love to hear a little bit about um, the, sort of the past, present, and yeah. future of what's going on there. Yeah, Mending Walls is probably the biggest project I've ever created um, and has the most partners as fitting such. But um, Mending Walls is a project um, that really started as a knee-jerk reaction from the murder of George Floyd. Um, uh, I've said the spiel so much. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm trying to shorten it for you, but... Uh, you know, the the uh, the murder of George Floyd really hit me hard, as it's hit everyone. It hit everyone hard, but I was mostly upset at why it seemed people were just now waking up. Like, mm. you know, there you know, there's been timeless, you know, close um, iterations of 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 cops murdering um, black and brown folks all over the United States for years, right? Um, you can't even count. And and even close to that time period. And I didn't understand why this video changed. I was more upset that this video is changing changing people's minds. Yeah. Um, so I was in a bad space about that. And I had a conversation with Matt about it. And Matt and I are good friends, but we really only talk about man stuff. And I, I just mean like, you know, that man conversation, like, hey, see the see the uh, Redskins game, see the Eagles game. <laughs> we, don't, we, we only talk about stuff like that. But um, during that time, he called me and I was, uh, we, we got deeper than that. And um, he just really got really vulnerable with me and, and told me some stuff that he didn't really have to tell me. Um, and that kind of explained why, I, not fully, but explained, you know, his take on the situation um, and I, I started to kind of understand um, that, or I knew this and we all know this, but it just hit me in that moment that, you know, our experiences are why we see the world the way it is. Um, and so some people are just waking up now because they don't have 
friends that they've seen in that position before. But yeah. I have. So I, I can, you know, you can't, after, you know, a black man gets murdered and then you mention that he was a drug dealer, you can't make that, that doesn't justify it to me, if that makes any sense. Makes perfect sense, uh, right. of course. And so, um, so yeah, and so I, I, you know, after that, I was, you know, we had that really long conversation and I was like, I wanted to create something behind it. And I was like, what if we put together artists from different backgrounds, right? Different experiences. So they, they ought to have different takes on this and have them have conversations around social and racial justice. Um, and then go about and create work that speaks about empathy and connection, right? Yeah. Collaborations in general are a hard thing to do. Um, much less throwing social and racial justice in between them. So I knew that they weren't going to be easy talks um, and that, you know, that great work would produce, would yield great results um, in term and not, not even aesthetically, but in terms of like having a co more conversations about it. And so many walls, it's a public art project, but I need another definition for it, to be honest with you, because it, it's not about the public art. It's about the conversations that come up, come out of the, the public art. Yeah. We need to kind of connect to really get into depth about what we need as a society, right? We need to be empathetic with one another to understand one another, to really have a whole just systemic way of living. Um, and I'm not sure I'm not sure that we have that right now. And so Many Walls was set, of course, to make public art, but it's also set set up with um, podcasts, it's set up with um, civic talks, um, and it's and it's based around collaboration. So um, not just the artists, but the partners too. And so uh, this the project kicked off last year um, on Juneteenth, where we went around and um, stamped our, our, stenciled our slogan, we need to talk all over the downtown Richmond area. And then July 1st, um, well, around the 1st of July was the first mini walk kicked off at the Richmond, uh, at the Virginia Museum of History and Culture. And every week after that, another mural started. So we did 16 murals um, last year that spoke about it. Um, and then uh, three civic talks. Uh, and there's a podcast for every single piece of public art where I'm interviewing the artist to kind of really dig into that initial conversation that the artist had. And so what we did was kind of mimic, in my opinion, we, we mimicked what society needs to do in general, yeah. right? Um, lean into that empathy and connection. Um, and the idea was to further Richmond's conversation around that. Initially, you know, with, you know, all the tags and things that went up in Richmond, what I was trying to do was kind of, you know, further that conversation by not having those walls just get power washed over, right? Those voices, those tags were really important. And I like to call them like unheard voices, if you will. Um, and it kind of like disgusts me to think about, hey, you know, this, I, hopefully this isn't just a moment. And hopefully those things um, don't get power washed over. And as a public art, artists in this city and someone, you know, you guys already got my definition around public art right. that really believes that, uh, really believes that the public art holds the identity of the city. 
um, this was something that I could do to um, to amplify that conversation. Hamilton, the work that you're doing there is so is, is so inspiring. Um, the in in a in a time where nationally it feels like we talk talk at each other and across each other rather than listen to each other. Yeah. Um, doing this at a local level seems incredibly incredibly important because that's where change happens. Right. Um, I, I want to. I'm so Im- impressed with the intention behind it. How have you felt about how it's been received by the community? Um. Of course, it's not all good, but it's mostly good, I think. Um, and I don't expect it to be all good. Um, and I, I mean, it's it's been incredibly. I have to. It's been incredibly uh, humbling to see how many people it's touched. Um, there are so many people that reach out, um, wanting to do something, wanting to be a volunteer, wanting to um, donate their wall you know, wanting to do something. So the, the, the response has been ridiculous. It's been way more than I thought it would be. Um, the project has grown. There's no way in the, you know, when I first conceived this, there's no, I did not think that it was going to get this big, but it, it definitely is big. We, we, I was very lucky too. We had um, a film, you know, a film crew reach out to us at the very beginning of this, um, Pam and Todd at Creative, um, a fuel created and said, Hey, we heard about this project you're about to start. Can we follow you everywhere? Yeah. Uh, and so the result of that is a documentary. So we have a documentary coming out um, that will be aired on BPM on September 16th. Um, and even before that, we just found out that we are, uh, the film was also um, uh, accepted into the Richmond International Film Festival. Oh my gosh, that's great. The opening night of uh, Richmond, uh, the Richmond International Film Festival on September 7th at the Bird Theater. Wow. Congratulations. I know where I'll be. So, I mean, and that, and, and then also, you know, the work that it took to get this off, like, Community Foundation, my core team, um, my wife, uh, Joe Jordan's casting, um, Danae Hudson, uh, Katrina, Katrina and Brenda, like photographers. It, there's so many people that make this happen. Like their job wasn't just their job, their job. They literally care so much about this project that we were all kind of like organizing and making this thing happen. Um, it's just amazing how that it's coming as far. And do you have thoughts on the evolution of this project and how how to keep it sustained? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question. So I'm trying not to look too far ahead because I'm trying to make sure that all the stuff that I'm doing now is super intentional, right? Yes. It, it becomes really easy to be like, hey, feed the machine so the machine can start running itself without and then not thinking about the work you're doing. And this project is so organic meaning like the conversations, the the people we partner with, the actual addresses we use, right? The, the placement of the art is, is very intentional. So um, uh, so the answer to your question is yes, I, I have. We're, we're in the process of becoming a 501c3 right now. So that's scary and, yeah. and uh, also good at the same time. Um, but, um, 
Yeah, we're, we're talking to a lot of people about where this goes, but we're also taking it a year at a time. Um, we, we have vision and, um, and I'm, you know, creating a board and, um, we're speaking to people about the future, but I also want to keep it very, um, what's the word, uh, very nimble and very like, yeah, very nimble because I, I want to be able to react to the time at the end of the day, the times at the end of the day, this project is about collaboration and connection. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's something that I think will last. We, we need that to survive as humans. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's what it's about. Uh, and I want to keep on that mission and I don't have to be at the head the whole time. I don't want to be actually, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it, it is my baby. And, um, I, I want to help govern it to get it to a place in which, um, the right people can take over and care about it as much as I do and my team do. But I'm not that person who's like, Mending Walls is mine and it's going to be, you know what I mean? It's going to be mine forever and we're going to just do it this way. And this is the way it's the, I'm, I'm really leaning into counsel from other people and trying to make this a project that does exactly what the project set, says it yeah. does, right? Which is like, um, understanding the needs and the wants of others in your community and making that well, well I just wanted to back up and give you a little bit more uh, credit where it's due because you were talking about the trajectory of your career and um, where you're at and that being you know um, just leaning into the times where it occurred but you have this adaptability and where do you think that comes from this like embracing of change rather than resisting it? It's a good question. I mean, I, th- I think in general, I don't, I just want to heal with art. Like that's, that's my main goal. I enjoy healing with art. I know that, you know, my path has, has brought me here. Like I'm, I'm no special guy who's like, you're this awesome painter and you know what I mean? I like, I'm no special guy. Um, I, I just, this was the path that was destined for me. And I also don't, uh, move forward without helping people. Um, one of the things I didn't mention is, you know, I went into art, I went into architecture first because I didn't think I could be a full-time artist. And that was because I had no representation of that. And so um, the second that I realized that as an adult and I realized I was like going in schools to do murals and paint, I was like, whoa, I got to go talk to these kids. Right. That's not a part of the job, but I've got I have to because they need representation of that. Right. You, you need to understand that this is a, this, this is a viable thing to do. And then creativity in general, you can do anything you want to. Um, and, and it's viable. And so I had to be a representation of that. And I think that that kind of like carries through in what I do. Um, it's not, you know, it's nothing special. It's just like doing what you like doing and having people around you who like doing the same and, and trying to push forward in that.
And being that representation is is so important because this conversation, this this community is so lucky to have you as a catalyst for these conversations that need to be had. But one of the things I'm really excited about about this documentary in September is that other communities need voices like Hamilton Glass as well. And so can't wait to see how other people are inspired in other communities to do similar projects to the ones that you're bringing forward collaboratively here. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that's awesome to hear you say. I. I mean, you know, I especially last year, I was I was having a lot of conversations about mending walls, going to other cities and things like that. And um, I, of course, I would be honored and and just humbled to for that to happen. Um, and and perhaps it will. But I, I really, you know, in those conversations, it was kind of it was it was kind of stirred towards it has to be the artist in your city. Yeah, right? it has to be those guys, because they are the voice of that community. Um, and so we're working on ways to kind of like translate how that works. And especially educational wise too, we've had a lot of teachers reach out to us about the project and finding creative ways to mimic many walls in the classrooms, because there's a lot of learning opportunities out of it. And so we partner with um, Partners in the Arts and did a workshop with U of R um, for RPS teachers to come and, you know, and be involved in and learn about the project and learn some skills around it. Um, and then I think in the future, we're going to be expanding on that. So BPM has also leaned into that. Um, they're going to be holding a session on the 14th around um, educators and the Mending Walls project. So there's a lot of different, yeah. I can't even mention all the different ways that we're thinking about going, but, you know, Again, I don't want to spread myself too thin because the work is super important and those relationships in the work are, is really the heart of the project. So it's, it's kind of like whichever, you know, has the most energy in the community wants is which way it's going to go. Uh, it's it's amazing. And our time together at, in this podcast has been amazing. It sounds as though we need to do another episode soon to get caught up on more of the incredible things that you're doing. And I hope that you'll come back and talk with us some more uh, in, in the coming months and years as you do this uh, really important work um, raising uh, voices. We do like to close with uh, with one uh, one question that's a little bit of an oddball uh, um, uh, question. To, as we're trying to explore why people love the cities, the, the, Richmond, right? We want to know the following. Okay. If you died and you get to choose anywhere in Richmond that you get to haunt, where would you haunt here in town? That's a good question. Where would I haunt? That's a good question. <laughs> I think I would definitely haunt the arts district. I mean, um, and I know there's fuzzy lines around the arts district, but downtown Jackson Ward and around that area, I think there it's so rich down there. Um, and that is where a lot of people are focused on. Um, and, and also on the other side of it, I think some people are intimidated of, of, the arts district and probably think it's so not a not so nice place. I mean, I just think it's so rich down there in terms of culture and history. The downtown arts district is uh, is my go to answer there. <laughs> I love it. I love that you pick a whole neighborhood. It's great. Well, Hamilton, it has been an absolute pleasure. Your 
kindness and humility and um, vulnerability is just so inspiring. And I can't wait to follow you and see what else you do to move the city forward. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, Hamilton. That's it for this week's episode of Partners in Change. A big shout out to our friends at Common House for providing us a space to bring this podcast to life. To Sonny Washburn for the killer music and to Adam Clark for the rad cover. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time, Richmond. This podcast has been brought to you by OpenEye. They are your partners in change.